0: Growing up in a small town, it's almost amusing to think of all the urban legends and stories and ins and outs that come with that, as well as probably the feeling that most small towns have their own. We investigate that with, my former hometown is at the top of a dangerous triangle. So we begin. Sometimes people will hear about a dangerous or mysterious place they find interesting. There are clear signs these places possess some danger, but they go in anyway to investigate, thinking they'll get out without a scar. Then the news reports come stating that they are missing or in the hospital. I was filled with curiosity when I first heard of it. My English teacher was one of the ones who brought it up. The whole class was talking about UFO theories, how some of them are made up and others are satellites, or whether balloons are mistaken for UFOs. He said, I don't remember the name of it right now, I'll have to Google later, but this person back in the 90s said there's a triangle and Bradford is at the top of it. We didn't go into much detail since it, about it since lunch was starting in five minutes, but the bell rang and I found a spot in the hallway to sit down, and I did a Google search of the supposed triangle. It took about 20 minutes to find, but there was an article in an obscure book, along with a couple of other obscure articles, about the thing that's called the Bradford Triangle. It was an area full of UFO sightings, alien activity, and paranormal sightings that would turn ghost hunting shows into unfortunate accidents. An area connecting Bradford, Uxbridge, and Aurora, towns located north of Toronto. One report was a man, according to the report, who decided to take a night jog through a quiet suburb within the area. While I was jogging, I saw a flash of white light out of the corner of my right eye. When I turned my head to look at it, I saw this glowing white orb. It was floating around in place, and I was jogging past, and I stopped jogging to look at it. As I stared in pure confusion, it made a nasal humming noise. And a few seconds after that, all these sharp needles or spikes grew out of it, and I began to fly in my direction, right at my face. I ran as fast as I could. As I was running, though, I felt sharp pain in my lower back. Turns out it was one of the spikes. The police didn't know what to make of it. I didn't go back to that place for months. When I eventually ended up going back, I didn't see the orb. Thankfully, I never saw it again, he said. It wasn't like anything I'd ever heard or read before. That report was from 2002. According to another source, there are like 200 instances like the one above reported since the 90s. Reading over the reports, there were many different weird occurrences within the supposed triangle. My kids kept calling for me, saying they were hearing weird screaming. I went outside and heard the most chilling animalistic screaming noises. They definitely weren't human, but they sounded like a human turning into a wild demonic beast. Chills down my spine as I read that. Hopefully it was a hoax. I mean, why wouldn't it be, right? I was having a smoke on my back porch. It was 6 p.m. The birds began to fly like crazy in a way I'd never seen before. Then I saw a tall head peeking over the bushes out of the forest. His eyes were soulless and had a U-shaped mouth. I went back inside, freaked out as hell. I tried telling myself it was probably a prank. I went outside and it was still there, eating leaves along with the squirrel. I called the police about an intruder and they saw the thing and told me they have gotten four calls about it before. (laughs) But they had only seen video of it until then. As we stared at it, it stared at me. Not the officers. Me. The officers tried to squirt it away, but it gave them a stare and made them back away. They didn't even pull out their guns. They chose to leave and told me to ignore it. Like What? It then gave me an insidious stare and gave me a deep sinking feeling, so I ran inside and shut all my back windows. I got an even deeper sinking feeling reading that one. At least there were some less creepy reports, like old-fashioned cars popping out of nowhere and then disappearing seconds later, and bottles with an unearthly language pasted on their labels appearing in people's trash bins. I was skeptical about these types of reports. I needed more evidence than he said, she said. These reports were no exception. Most of them came either from one person or a small group of people. Police were supposedly called, but I failed to find any matching police records. There weren't any major news stories about any of these events, let alone any video evidence of them either. There was one report of a photographic evidence. It was included. It was 2007. A man got a dozen scars from a supposed animal attack. The man claimed a person with a U-shaped mouth was staring at him with an overbearing glare before attacking him. The description of the, character, or the creature matched the other reports to a T, and was just as chilling. A picture of the man's face, though, angular scars, a square-shaped cut, and for my sake, I chose not to look at the image more than five seconds. It was very detailed, very realistic, and it was on a local noob's website. Perhaps the triangle isn't a hoax? I searched for more articles about the victim, but there weren't any others. He had a social media page, but he didn't post much. He didn't want to talk about the incident of the creature all he didn't want to bother and i didn't want to bother about the incident so i just clicked off the page the bradford triangle didn't seem so well known there was no discussion threads about it in any of the initial events at all with all the reports i thought the area would be well known as the Bermuda triangle i decided it had to do with the nature of the reports people are more likely to keep believe a ship had disappeared than a humanoid with a u-shaped mouth having attacked somebody or even existing for that matter a lot of the reports could be chalked up to pranks if you thought people were creative enough Following Friday, I went to visit my uncle up in Bradford. It was a fitting time to visit, considering I had only recently heard of the Triangle. I was going to stay away from the forest, though, as I dreaded being attacked by a creature like the one with the U-shaped mouth. I decided to ask my uncle if he knew about it. He always thought the idea of alien beings was interesting, so I thought he'd enjoy talking about it, but when I asked him, his eyes widened. The Triangle? Yeah, I've heard of it, he said. I haven't seen anything weird myself, but one of our former neighbors went out there to investigate once. There's was a huge UFO enthusiast who went out every night to try to find some sort of alien life. He did it for a number of months, but never found anything. Then one night, he went out there again and never came back. He was pronounced missing. They never found the trace of him. His house was sold off to our current neighbors soon after. That's weird, I said. There was absolutely no trace of him at all. There had to be something. Yeah, I checked up recently, and there's still nothing. If any trace him was found, it would be in the local news, right, he said. I didn't know about the former neighbor the former next-door neighbor. It's the only memory I had of him was a vague one from when I was seven. He came up for a quick visit while I was visiting for the weekend. I couldn't really call anything else about it, though. Back home, I reread many of the reports I'd already read, completely intrigued while also unnerved to my core. As I read on, I recalled something interesting. Back in the fifth grade, one of my friends, I'll call him Randall, told me about a spot somewhere between Bradford and Newmarket that supposedly gave him a look into different worlds, as he called them, and to the future. Now, again, this was back in fifth grade, so back then I believed absolutely everything I was told. I was a kid after all, so of course I believed him. He got some of his other friends together and created a group. He told us stuff about him that was obviously not true. He was clearly just a fan of Doctor Who, enjoyed role-playing. But the stuff he mentioned about that spot was something else. Once a month, he showed us pictures of nerving human-rabbit-dog hybrids. talked about Area 51. He told us that only they only had super advanced technology there, nothing extraterrestrial and showed his National Geographic book worth a page showing pictures of a zebra-elephant-tiger hybrid called Zyga. Speaking of the Zyga, I googled it back in 2017 out of curiosity as to whether or not it really existed. That was well after I'd become skeptical of Randall's ideas. What I found was stuff on zebra-tiger hybrid known as the Liger, but nothing about the animal hybrid called a Zyga. I never stopped to think about whether a Zyga could possibly even exist. I still had one of his photos, a photo of our friend group walking on a dirt path in the middle of a forest, each of us holding a small, silver-handled device. I decided to contact Randall and ask him if he knew anything about the Bradford Triangle. I hadn't kept contact with him due to us naturally drifting apart, but I knew I could just find him on Instagram. I looked him up, and when I found a profile that had pictures of him but older, I sent a message. He sent a message hours later, and this is what it read. Hi, I remember you. No, I don't have any of this stuff anymore. No, I don't know anything about the Bradford Triangle. After back and forth the talk, I pressed him again. I asked, "What happened to the stuff he showed me all those years ago?" I expect him to say it was all fake. But who would put so much effort into role play? He replied to the question, "It was fake. The whole thing was a metaphor. You guys took seriously. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what you got what you're like nowadays. If you still believe in that stuff, a metaphor. It happens a lot. People do create these metaphorical role play groups for fun. Then just one of the mem- then most of the members end up killing themselves because they." Believe in quantum immortality or of sudden, but sometimes it's okay to entertain the thought of something that hasn't been disproven. But I, I saw the picture and the people looked just like us. I dug the photo out, took a picture of it, and sent it to him. I explained I saw it after founding it on my desk on the last day of school. What? You're not supposed to have it. I don't remember leaving it on your desk. I thought you left it there. This isn't good. Where do you mean? No response. I went to bed thinking he'd respond in the morning. I woke up to the roar of a car's engine. A bag was tied around my neck, so I was so tight. I swore I was going to choke me out. During this rude awakening, I also noticed my ankles and hands were tied together. It couldn't be happening. I was feared to be held against my will. Where was I? Where was I being taken to? Who was kidnapping me? My breaths got faster and faster. as Dreadful ideas swirled around in my head. Half an hour later, the car came to a stop. I heard the click of a trunk opening up. Four hands gripped my torso and lifted me up. The thud of the trunk closing me... Made me jump. Was I going to be docked in a basin for the rest of my life or something? Were they going to torture me? The dread built up more and more as I carried by the two kidnappers. Eventually, I was set up against a freezing hard wall. My heart sinking. I anticipated the worst. But then the choking sensation lifted along with the bag. I was on a liminal liminal room. Just a whiteboard, a padlock beside the door, and one long desk sitting below boarded up windows. And a torn up shirt was laying on the edge of the desk. It has stains on it. I felt like gagging. What the hell? Two men were standing over me, each holding a baseball bat. Both had dark hair and looked to be around my age. They had the looks of confusion and frustration. I could only feel the sinking in my gut. What were they going to do to me? Why did they kidnap me? Don't try anything, said the man on the left. We just need to talk to you. Give you a warning. Yeah? I asked. Randall told us he had a picture of you and him. He asked, holding up a phone with a screenshot of Randall's chat with me. That was what this was about? They were being quite dramatic over a metaphor. Yeah, I asked Confusel. He told me it wasn't good that I had it. We found it and we took it, said the man on the right. Randall thought he did what he needed to do with that picture, but apparently you had it the whole time. And the person that gave it to you, are you sure you think it was Randall? I asked the man to left. Yes, I said. I always thought he, he left it for me to take. Well, that wasn't his intention, said the man on the right, glaring in my eyes. As the two had been speaking to me, I noticed something static about their eyes. They like they weren't real, but I was too distracted by their demeanor to think much of it. But I could feel my hair stand up. Now we need you to investigate we need you to investigate this. Now we need to investigate you. We've invited somebody over to talk to you. Be ready. Who? I asked. That's for you to figure out yourself, said the man on the right. This was insane. Were they my friends? Were they friends of the others in the group? I I told them all that stuff just was a metaphor. That they were taking it too seriously. They told me that they helped Randall take the pictures, including the one that had taken in the forest. When they told me to stop talking or else I'd face the consequences, I shut my mouth and chose to wait silently. The two men paced around, bats in hands. I really didn't want to start anything. I just had so many questions, especially since this situation was happening. I was told the pictures were fake. Maybe Randall was lying. They were real. As real as the triangle. The Zygos probably real too. And The stuff he said about Area 51, the creatures, why did he tell people that stuff in the first place if he was just going to pass it off as a role play fantasy? I'm not heading back to Bradford, even if I'd stayed away from the forest anyway. I'm not stepping foot anywhere in that triangle. Good thing I don't live there anymore. I got myself into something. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's definitely important to these guys, along with Randall. I don't know who's coming to talk to me, but it looks like I'm going to have to deal with them no matter what, and hopefully I'm not going to be tortured or executed. I shook anxiously as I waited for their person to arrive. The door opened and in came a man wearing a hoodie and a red mask covered his entire face aside from his eyes. He looked at me in the eyes with a deep, invasive glare that told me to come with him. Considering I had no other choice, I followed him out. We walked silently down an eerie, silent hallway in which a brick wall could be seen on the right, and on the other side was a do- the door was a window. The person guided me, out to a parking lot with only three cars, he unlocked his car, and I followed him to it. Once there, I asked him where we were going, and he didn't answer. He climbed into the car in silence, and I climbed in after him. Once I got comfortable in the passenger seat, he locked the doors and finally spoke. I'm taking you to each of your old classmates' houses, he said. We're going to ask them if they gave you a picture and your friends walking. of you and your friends walking in the woods. Would they even remember, I asked. No response. Who knows? Maybe they would, but... How we were even going to know if they actually did, but then forgot they did it, or maybe he was counting on them not remembering, as it would mean it wasn't important to them. The drive to the first house was then about half an hour. Once we got there, it was too dark to see the house, but it wasn't like I had been in the area before, so I really didn't know what to expect. We both climbed out of the car and walked to the front door. He knocked on it, and we waited for someone to answer, and sure enough, I heard footsteps and the door opened. A girl with blonde hair stood in the doorway, and I didn't recognize her. It had been ten years. The cloak explained who I was in a surprise, who I was in a surprising amount of detail: full name, the names of all my other classmates, the name of the school, and then he explained the picture and he asked her if she knew anything about it. No, I don't," she said. "I wasn't there on the last day of school that year." The cloak thanked her for her time. She asked why he was wearing the cloak. He gave it a It was our fun. Now we need to go. Then we got back in the car. When they don't have a negative reaction to me, that means they don't know. The cloak said, Who are you? No response again. It took only ten minutes to get to the next house. There at the door, a boy with black hair answered the cloak's knock. He had a look of confusion on his face, and he expressed excitement about seeing me again. The cloak explained the picture. The guy told me he didn't touch my desk that day. The cloak excused himself and I, and then we got back in the car. The third house was a twenty-minute drive away. The girl who answered the cloak's knock gave a look of surprise, but... At the cloak... The cloak explained the picture to her. Um, one second, she said, shaking. She shut the door and all I could hear were quick footsteps. She did it, the cloak said. How do you know she doesn't think you're a murderer or something? Trust me, the cloak said, walking up to the door. The cloak opened the door and stepped in. He took a left. A minute went by before I heard a feminine scream. Get away from me. I'm sorry. I was just jealous. A police car pulled up the driveway. The officers inside saw the cloak and their eyes widened. Their faces went pale and they backed out of the driveway and sped down the road. Chills ran down my spine. Who was... Taking me around town? Why did he know where each of my 6th grade classmates lived? Why didn't the police pull out their weapons and arrest him? I had no idea what was going on. I asked the cloak. He told me I didn't need to know. Maybe it was true at this point. I just wanted to be back home anyway, sleeping instead of being creeped out by this dude in his cloak. Back in the car, the cloak asked me one about the last thing I said to my friend Randall was before I moved away. I looked at my memories, but I couldn't find an actual last thing he said to me. The cloaks told me that he was going to drive to Randall's house so I could see him as he is today. To give me an update on his demeanor and presence is like, in any normal case, I'd be excited, but this cloak creep was guiding me through this. I doubt it would be fun to see him again, which was kind of depressing the more I thought about it. Was Randall a creep nowadays? Hopefully he isn't, but you need to be delusional to be okay with hanging out with the freaking cloak, despite there being clearly something totally off about him. Once we arrived at Randall's house, my nerves were racking. What was I supposed to say? What was I supposed to do? What was going to happen if I didn't say or do the right thing? The cloak and I got out of the car, and as we walked to the front door, I could barely feel my legs. At the door, the cloak knocked. Seconds later, the door opened. He was ten years older now, but I still vaguely recognized him. Well, here you go, the cloak said. This is the one who had the picture the whole time. Wow, I haven't seen you for a while, Randall said to me in a dark tone. The only response I could think of was one of the press in question. That stuff you showed me back then. Why did you show me that stuff if I could have got me into this mess? I was twelve, Randall said. Things are serious now. I don't have much time to talk. Do you have your phone with you? Yes, I said. Give it to me, Randall said. If you don't, we'll take it and smash it. I fished my phone out of my pocket and handed it to him. I'm just going to erase all the evidence, Randall said. As I looked through my phone, I, I looked at the cloak. He raised his hand. Sharp needles grew from each of his fingers. Felt the hairs stand up again. I thought about running, but that would probably trip an alarm in their brains. I chose to stand there and wait, mm-hmm. dreading what was to come. All right, done, Randall said. Nice seeing you again, but it's time for you to leave. Bye. Randall shut the door. I looked at the cloak. He gestured towards his car, and over the next drive, I decided I tried to, t- to take a sense of the situation. It just didn't make any sense. I knew nothing, and I was being told and I wasn't being told anything. It was about one AM. But I was too alert for sleep, so luckily the cloak drove me to my part of the town and then pulled into my driveway. Before I got out of the car, he told me I was going to be watched over and that the investigation will include spying on my internet search history. As invasive as it sounded, I had no choice but to respond the way he wanted me to respond or else I'd be tortured. I shook my head without saying a word, and I got out of the car, and as I shut the door, the cloak sped out of the driveway and down the street. The investigation includes a breach in my privacy. I felt like reporting him to the police, but then I remember the officer's reactions earlier— I decided to act on the idea of the cloak was just putting on an act. Just in case reporting would actually work, I reported him and gave all his details and appearance, his friends Randall and the Pennant Girl. At school the next day, a substitute teacher named Mr. Jones was teaching English class. I told him all about the Bradford Triangle, that I had a friend named Randall who showed me pictures of weird creatures and told me that he was really he was really going to Area 51, that I was kidnapped by my by his friends and talked to a man in a cloak that I reported to the police, he raised an eyebrow and then asked me about the police report. As I, as he did, his people turned white and red, only to return to normal upon blinking. Chills ran through me. I explained what I'd reported, then he only needed to speak to me before the class ends. I need to get the hell out of there, but how? I wanted to tell other teachers the stuff I told Mr. Jones. Hopefully I could do it without much fear. After everybody walked out for lunch, I walked over to Mr. Jones, who was typing on his computer. I took a deep breath. You wanted to talk to me. Mr. Jones froze. His head turned towards me at a lightning speed. This wasn't a human being, not at all. I expected his voice to be a deep, demonic tone, but his words came out sounding normal, which was weirder and more unnerving than I could have assumed. Going by now, he was how he was acting. No one is here to help you, he said. Go eat lunch. You'll figure out the rest. I went over to the teacher's lounge in room 101, hoping I wouldn't see the cloak again on my way there. I knocked on their door. I could hear them talking about grades or something, and one of them answered. I told them everything. For the topic of Mr. Jones, I told him I didn't feel safe around him. Anything that I would be vague enough to stay within the lines of being plausible not to have to be around him if I didn't feel comfortable. And they agreed I didn't have to be around him. So during the rest of the day, I told as many teachers I come across about the about the cloak, the more people knew, the better. But my reach wasn't far. No harm in trying, though, right? The teachers were sympathetic, aside from the one who passed me in the hallway in between periods three and four. Odd, flushed white mixed with red pupils and an overbearing stare. Even not looking right at me, I felt it. Me being watched by a mad force. That afternoon, I was sitting in my living room. I thought Mr. Jones was taking care of, but then I felt a familiar stare. I looked out the window and saw him staring in the front yard, staring into the living room with those red-white pupils. I closed the curtains, but I could still feel his stare. The hairs on my arms were standing up. This was too otherworldly to ignore, so I went to my bedroom, closed my blinds, and sat on my bed. My heart is at the bottom of my chest, and no one's going to help me. I'm going to have to stay quiet about this whole ordeal. I don't know how long I'm going to have to deal with this, but it's going to be suffocating for sure. And there we end the uh, extension of the story. Um, It's a two-parter, but uh, I got to say, it's uh, another reminder that curiosity tends to lead us to great things, but also danger and other things we might not be ready to bear the responsibility and burdens of that choice. So what do you guys think? I'm curious as always, and thanks and take care.